0: Are you ready? Who's at the forefront on this one? Me.
1: It's always you.
0: Why is it always me? Because everybody says you're the best at it. I don't know anybody that's ever said that, <laughs> except Jason, who says that I should narrate his life. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast State of America, hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans. David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road.
0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? Cruising along, Ian. This is number 99. This is 99 baby and we're excited for 99 and for 100 and for
1: maybe 101 and 102. Yes. I passed that. I can't make any guarantees. <laughs> yeah. You're looking good my friend. I uh um what's the saying um looking California feeling Minnesota? Yes. For those who don't know David has uh been on a uh a health
0: tear doing some uh, significant biking and eating differently and has has lost a- Tremendous amount of weight and it's looking very trim right now.
1: Somebody's got to bring sexy back and be the face guy of this place in. And I just figure out, you know, I applied for the job and got it.
0: We can no longer say that we have uh phases for radio because you've uh you know you've uh
1: up the working energy. on it. I'm working on it.
0: <laughs> I'm good for black and white television. We got a few uh exciting things happening on Patreon, do we not?
1: Yes. Yeah, so Dave Gorman do- donated a just a treasure trove of interesting things for me to give away. You've been on there. We've given away uh, three snakes tour books, a more robust tour book, 98 tour books. I've given away, my gosh, foam foot CDs, brand new immortal CDs, asphalt blaster CDs. I'm sitting over here looking. I've got a ton of laminates and backstage passes. Gave away a pair of Chris Trujillo drumsticks from the more robust tour. I have given away um, rare CD singles. I gave away a diamond ring single and gave away a "Bad Luck Blue Eyes" single. I gave away a bootleg CD. It was called like "Live in America" or something like that. And Big Toe gave away a Big Toe CD. So all of that is thanks to Dave Gorman. And we're going to do something to help raise money in the name of his brother Jim, who died from multiple system atrophy a couple of years ago. Uh, Dave's been a big supporter of the podcast and of Patreon and it was really cool for him to send all this stuff to me, but I still have a ton of stuff to give away. And so if you're on Patreon automatically tossed your name in the hat, we say it ad nauseum every time, but Jason Donsis has just kind of changed the thing for the better. And, and he does so much behind the scenes that um, we'll forever be indebted to him for, and he won't let us pay him. So uh, we're getting free labor out of it, but he, he, Kind of takes charge of Patreon now for the most part. And uh, we'll let him run with it because he uh, is very creative and does a great job. But Ian's been giving away stuff left and right as well.
0: I don't want people to think we're constantly trying to push the Patreon on you. It's just, it really is such a cool platform and, and such a wonderful community we've developed. We just want more people to be a part of it because it's just the more people that join in, the more fun it becomes.
1: Yeah. And we've gotten to know a lot of these people. Um, we had a Patreon meetup in New Orleans for Cult Fest 2.0 a couple weeks ago. A lot of the same faces that, that have, that have been here before, but man, we just, we had a good time. We hung out for two days beforehand. Um, the thing at Johnny's place was so cool. And, and, and is like, we kind of all say we're a lot of the stuff that happens there. We don't talk to anybody about cause it's ours. It's our, uh, our little moment in history, but, uh, needless to say, Steve Gleason and Trent and Seth Miller, just played their rear ends off there. And then Patrick Corrigan sat in and played a blistering version on guitar of Oh Sweet Nothing. Hadn't even practiced it, just picked it up, grabbed the guitar and, uh, and played it. Johnny is, uh, a real gem. Uh, what you see is what you get. As he said down there, these things probably mean more for him than they do us. I find that hard to believe, but his daughter sang for the first time, in public she was great it was just uh it was a good time more importantly we got to hang with friends make new friends there's going to be some more of that stuff going to happen um he really enjoys doing it all of us enjoy going and, and, and hanging out and uh, as anybody there can attest I mean Johnny's just become people's friends now it's not Johnny Colt from the Black crows hey this' is my friend Johnny he happened to be in the Black Rose and uh, it becomes more and more a celebration of friendship and, and and music more so than it does the black crows
0: yeah i mean that's the key thing is you know these events it's it's i don't want to say it's like the event itself becomes secondary but it's it's everything's kind of just under the guise of the community and it's really cool and then then, you know like the things that i look forward to the most when we do these things are seeing the people that we've we've become friends with over all this time it's fantastic
1: to me it's really special to see how much all this means to johnny really is and uh it's good for him and uh It was thrown out there, possibly doing the next one in the Boston area, maybe at Steve Gleason's house. That was thrown out there. Uh, There's some other ideas, but it'll probably be a couple of months before we circle back around on what we're going to do, but there will be more. Absolutely. And uh, speaking
0: of people we've become fantastic friends with through doing this podcast, joining us for today's episode is the one and only Mr. Jason Johannes, one of the co-pilots of the all things blues and southern rock podcast jason how are you sir
3: you know what i'm here talking to you guys it can't get any better how are the both of you doing
0: okay david is handsome as always and i am here with a smile
3: david gave a thumbs up for everybody who's listening and can't see he threw the thumbs up so you know he's good
1: but you, you said you said we were having one of our friends on but then it's jason <laughs>
3: One of our wow. friends in quotation marks, one of, you know what, again, we, Brian and I always say this, we wouldn't have our podcast without you guys in some way, shape or form helping us get to where we are. So yeah. if you love our podcast, thanks to Ian and David. If you hate our podcast, thanks to Ian and David. <laughs> yet,
1: yet, yet we, yet we don't see a cent of that uh Pantheon yeah. money, do we? Yeah, yeah, when's that Pantheon money coming you know, this way?
3: <laughs> Listen, <laughs> we'll give you 10%, so We'll give out 32 cents a month. if you're
1: <laughs> Hey man, in this day and time, you need every, every I, I've got bikes to buy, man. That'll add up.
3: i tell you what the, what the nicest part about Pantheon is, is they pay our, like our platform fees and you know, they kind of put, there's a lot of tools at our disposal that help us out a little bit. So it's nice and you get the extra boost because the Pantheon network has the official Metallica podcast. Is that right? That is right, and I've I've I still need to listen to one of the official Metallica podcasts. But damn it, we are on Pantheon Podcast with Metallica.
1: Ian and I at one point just talked to them about it, and they sponsored that Nick Mason saucerful of secrets tour. Really? and if you were uh, a you know a member of their yeah. podcast community, you got a chance to go see that. Now I, I love Pink Floyd, and he <laughs> was playing some stuff there that I really would have wanted to see, like Echoes and Fearless, and. Uh, stuff like that but no um congratulations to you guys y'all have y'all have definitely worked hard and, and earned whatever success you get
3: Oh uh, no thank you guys we really appreciate that but again honest and truly thanks for being our friends and helping you know get get Brian started on the podcast and recommending me to come in to fill in a co-host spot so, so
1: to guys. hear twice I've helped you out I helped, <laughs> I helped y'all start the podcast and then I was like I think Jason Johannes would be good.
3: <laughs> again if you like our podcast thanks to Ian and David. And if you don't, thanks to Ian and David.
1: It's
0: like uh, David Lee Roth used to say, uh, if you like what you hear, tell a friend. And if you don't like what you hear, tell an enemy. So, you know.
3: <laughs> it, you know, speaking about liking what you hear, your Patreon is amazing. It is so much. There is so much going on. So if you're listening to this and you're not part of the Patreon community, or maybe this is a Patreon episode, I don't know. Rejoin, join up. It is amazing. You guys are killing it. And all the gifts you're giving to people, thank you.
1: I I tell you what, as long as nobody backs out of anything, our next three or four episodes are going to be a, the be like the '95 Cleveland Indians lineup. Just put it to you that way.
3: <laughs> but they lost to the Braves.
1: Well, but it, they, they did lose to my Braves. Maybe that wasn't a good uh, analogy.
3: You should have said uh, the '95 Braves, dude. They were stacked. Chipper, yeah. Fred McGriff, David Justice, David Justice, who hit the home run in the in the deciding factor. Greg Maddox, Tom Glavine, John Smoltz, amazing.
1: All right, we just
0: put Ian to sleep. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to play into the uh, the ongoing thing. But I have no idea what anybody's talking about. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. Ian, no, the, got the, the 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 Cleveland Indians had the most potent lineup in the history of Major League Baseball up until that point. I'm just saying we've possibly got three or four weeks of amazing guests.
0: Yes, absolutely, and it's. Uh, I'm guessing that what the comparison you were just making there is kind of like uh, Southern Harmony era Black Crows. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're, yeah. We're about to we're about to put out Southern Harmony, Amorica, and Three Snakes, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, a, of, one of them's in the can, so man. that one can't back out. That three okay. snakes is a is an iffy one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
3: We got the Southern Harmony one ready. Now we're just ready for Amorica.
1: No, we 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 are really working hard on our guests for next year. And uh Jason has uh Jason Donch has had us on the Deep Program podcast recently. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, listen to it. it's an interesting concept. Uh, picking twenty songs from a band that you think would introduce that band properly to someone that never heard them. Jason's really the taskmaster here. He keeps just uh, just
0: pimping us out to all these other podcasts. He's, he's
3: good. I I was texting with him the other night uh, when he put the Candlebox radio one out, and he's a really good uh, producer. Like he's really good, and he's passionate about it, and he, he's got he's got you know skill. So he's got talent.
1: He's very, he, it really is interesting. He has no experience in this. His yeah. editing is amazing. And then just his ability to organize and be a go getter and, uh, and
3: have ideas. He has good ideas. Yeah. And, and basically, he just, I listen to him.
1: Basically, Ian and I just show up and record at this point. Yeah. It's and devilishly handsome fellow as well.
3: Easy. He is. Other than being like a Michigan fan or whatever, like he's all right. He's all right. He's got a good name. I dig, you know, he's a good dude. Uh, hey, I want to get back around on the program real, real fast. That is a super cool concept for a podcast. It's really, really good idea. I enjoy the episodes about the Black Crows and the most recent ones with you guys, but I will say unsolicited two cents. Thank God you guys were on there to correct those lists because some of those choices were whack a little wacky. For like, hey, you, if I you, should you, introduce you, the crows, it should be these songs. You, you you
1: can't have heavy on there and not have Wiser Time. It's like I told no. you, it's the, the the list is pointless. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I swear to you, Jason, as we were going through it and he was he was
0: telling us his picks, I kept thinking, well, this one's right up Jason's alley because it was very by your side heavy. I really thought there were be-
3: some, <laughs> there were by your side. What? Again, if you're, if you don't know the Crows and you're trying to get a casual fan, that's, there are songs from that record that you could choose by your side. Like that was a good choice, Ian, that you had. Uh, Virtue and Vice, I think are good choices. Only a Fool, Dave, that was a good, you know, good call. Those would be fine. But that's not where you're going to go. You're going to go with, with the big albums and the stuff that's radio friendly. Soul Singing was also a great choice. I know it ultimately didn't, ultimately didn't make the list, but like you said, it had some radio airplay. It's very catchy. Like, that would have been a good choice, but uh, see, not all the buy-your-side stuff.
0: See, when you do these kind of list things, it, it always elicits uh, some fire. But really, it's just, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. It's because I was
3: walking my dog listening to that episode with you guys, and I, I would be like, yes. Then I'd be like, oh, God, no. What? Yes. Like, I was talking out loud walking my dog, and people probably thought I was crazy.
0: So basically what you're saying is our – Our episode with the D program podcast made you look like a lunatic in your own neighborhood.
3: Yeah, well, you know, they already know me as the neighborhood lunatic, but this just confirmed a lot of people's (laughs) thoughts. Yes.
0: (laughs) But we're here today, actually, to do another list of sorts. Jason is joining us as we pick our top five Rich Robinson moments. And uh, I thought that this was going to be a real easy one. And it was in the respect that I can pull off five of these in a heartbeat but the hard part was narrowing it down to five this was just crazy
3: yeah for sure i mean david what do you think
1: well mine's gonna be a little bit different than you guys for for one reason i'm not a musician and i didn't take into account just like guitar riffs and things like that i took vocals into it and just kind of melodies and stuff like that so mine may look um you know a little different than your guys was i'm Technically, I'm not up to snuff with you, so. Oh,
3: well, please, You'll give, your, give yourself some credit. You don't have to be a musician to be able to pick that stuff out, right, Ian?
0: Exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I think we all were going for our top five rich moments, but I think our own personal criteria, because we didn't really set a strict criteria for this or anything, nope, right? so our own personal criteria will make this uh, interesting. And at least uh, I feel like we there won't be much, if any, overlap.
3: I kind of took, David, I kind of took your approach. I I took riffs into consideration. I took vocals. I took about anything. And when you guys asked me to hop on to do this, I had three things instantaneously in my mind already. So those were locked down. But, Ian, to your point, I think it's pretty hard because it's a hell of a catalog. There's a lot of memorable guitar riffs or moments for him that... You know, it's hard to pare that down, but I hopefully, hopefully uh, I'm going to do some justice and I can't wait to hear the angry feedback from everybody across the board at some point when Uh, we, we miss something.
0: It's inevitable, but also (laughs) just so everybody knows, uh, Jason is quite the guitar player has his own uh, band happening and he is uh, sitting here with the guitar at the ready. So we're going to hear some actual riff uh, examples, if I'm not mistaken
3: examples my interpretation so for the guys like Steve gleason and seth miller and david hall and everybody else who plays i'm not trying to go note for note with rich robinson i'm going to <laughs> demonstrate some things i like and some connections across the board so stop with all your criticisms right now
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: preempting that
3: you know? i'm preempting i'm preempting i'm not doing a tribute i'm doing an interpretation
0: well since you are our guest today jason we're going to allow you to uh, throw out the first pick, so what was number one on your list?
3: Yeah, so I'm gonna start off with a Rich Robinson cover song, a live cover song. You and many guests have said i'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat the down, but Rich has a certain range with his vocals and his performance, and when he gets in that range, he kills it. So the song is no surprise. it's oh sweet, nothing." But what I've chosen this actually recording from is the Woodstock Woodstock Sessions Volume 3, (laughs) 6114. very stripped-down approach. It's a limited man. He has some keys. He's the only guitar player. He always nails that vocally. Again, that's right in his range. He has a very nice controlled melodic solo in that. And again, it is a very, very stripped-down approach that allows his guitar playing and his vocals to come through. And it's my favorite version of Oh Sweet Nothing that I've heard from either Magpie, Rich, or The Crows Play.
0: Listen, I mean, Oh Sweet Nothing is one of the best covers that Rich does it really got me into the tune, uh like many of the the covers that the band selects as a whole, gets me into artists I've not known otherwise prior, and often surpasses the original. So I think that's a really and in the case of Oh Sweet Nothing, that's a that's a very true statement.
1: One of the things I like about it is whether he's playing it with his solo band, with a second guitar player, or in the Crows. He does a good amount of soloing on it. Yes, and I like Rich's solos. Mm. I, I, I feel like they have a um, almost like a tapestry type feel to them. They they kind of float on top of everything without like changing the melody up, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. it's not like somebody bending notes and holding notes. It's like he's going somewhere with it, and uh, I, he does a great job on that. Like on the Before the Frost when they play it. But no, this is my second favorite cover the Crows do behind Torn and Frayed off that Loaded album by Velvet Underground, which they do the song Rock and Roll off of that, too. I'm hit or miss with the Velvet Underground, but I love this song. My Morning Jacket has uh, covered it. Fish has covered it. It's a a very popular one to cover.
3: My band covers this. My band covers this song, too. We do it in a different key, but we cover it.
1: Steve Gleason and Seth and Trent uh, and uh, Patrick Corrigan played it at Johnny Colt's place. Now, th- th- this is Upper Shelf Rich Robinson covering a song.
0: And that that entire album that you mentioned, the Woodstock Sessions, uh, there's some great stuff on there.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Is that the one a, that got to get better in a little while?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, there's a thing on there. It's an instrumental thing called One Cylinder. Uh, I mean, there's some fantastic stuff on there. That's really uh, like the hidden gem in his solo catalog. You know, you don't hear it mentioned as much, but uh, it's worth having.
3: And you can find it streaming. Again, that's kind of where I caught it years ago, streaming, listen to it. And again, what I like about that is they've covered that song many times, and you can see where it's building up with the solo stuff and, and with this Magpie stuff, and he's just playing within himself. It's not a bunch of noise and a bunch of unneeded things in it. So that's my number five pick.
1: All right. David, what did you have? I mean, you got to have several songs, in my opinion, off of Southern Harmony. The lead song, Sting Me. That opening riff, sorry, everybody else has tried to play it. You can't play it. There's only <laughs> one Robinson that can play this, and everybody has trouble getting out of it, if you know what I mean. That initial lick, and then when they when they need the rest of the band to come in, uh, everybody I've heard try to play it, can't figure out how to get out of it. That is such a unique chord progression, mm-hmm. and timing on it is a little off. It's the first thing you hear from Southern Harmony is, And it's kind of like a, you know, hey, boys, we just went to a whole other level. Try, try playing this. And I was listening tonight to that high in the Houston that just came out on the, you know, the new box set. And I had it up really, really loud. And like during the, the verses, his rhythm playing, it's not very lazy. He's still attacking that song as if it was the beginning to it. And of course you get those great Ford solos, but leading into those great, Ford solos when it gets kind of disjointed and slows down, he might as well be playing lead with those chord progressions the way he's doing them. It's very aggressive. This is, I've told people, this is the song. If I'm going to go see the band, it's a new, um, a new version of them. This is the song I judge whatever incarnation of the band is. This is the song I, I, it it on. And I love it. I, I want to hear it every show. I want to hear it. Number two. I, I know that drives some people crazy, but man, rich just comes out of the gate swinging yeah absolutely i mean you know
0: this is a quintessential rich riff and very important to both southern harmony and the entire catalog i i i totally agree with what you're saying it, he is working during the uh the verses and everything it's and, and it's busy but without being obtrusive you know what i mean it's it, it works uh works perfectly great riff nice pick david
3: yeah, man. And again, quintessential riff, you're right. Anything on Southern Harmony, could probably choose. He does the Keith Richards things, open G with a capo. I think it might capo on three or four, third or fourth fret. And it's a very peculiar timed riff. And I've tried to play it, and I quit trying to play it because I can't play it.
1: <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's one of the things. you no like, your beat. no you <laughs> your beat. If you watch Rich on stage, there's never any effort, it looks like, being put into it. It all He makes it all look so smooth and so easy
0: but so for my first pick i'm going to throw out there we've mentioned this track many many times it's it's come up and uh, but it's it needs to be included here and that is the riff to omission by mag or originally yeah. by hookah brown <laughs> I mean, just a fantastic riff. Probably one of the best riffs I've ever heard. Rich come heavy. up heavy, yeah. In terms of heavy, dirty, gritty, you know what I mean. It comes from a time period where he was very, very into like that open F. It's even like one key lower than open G, and uh, you know, which gets real guttural and 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 visceral sounding. And it's just such such a great riff.
1: There's no version of this list that doesn't have it on here, in my opinion. It's not a valid list. This is funky, nasty, nasty, Rich Robinson.
3: It's it's up there, man. And it's just pure rock, pure aggression. And I actually was expecting the, the first magpie salute or any of the magpie salute records to have a little bit more of that with it. And it's not. This is really the only track they have ever done that's heavy to that level.
0: Absolutely. And and it's funny, it was the uh, one of the only times where I'm listening to something and I almost didn't want Mark Ford's guitar over it because it's such a great riff and it kind of interferes with hearing that riff. You know, it's, it's funny.
3: I really wish they would have done more songs like that as part of magpie. They might've gotten a little bit more traction. They did, they did some more experimental stuff and you know um, but yeah, great man. Great, great choice. I, I don't have this on my list and I was praying when you guys chose it. So well done.
0: I guess we both chose it. So we do have a first yeah. overlap, David and yeah. I. See, David, we do think alike sometimes.
3: Every now and then. <laughs> I, I always love when David or when you guys are on social media and you do these things with lists, you're like, who did it better? Who did it better? David or Ian? And there's a there's a poll.
0: I know David likes to pit us against each other. I don't know. <laughs> I it's just like, want to be me, harmonized.
3: It's like your favorite kid, I can't do it, man.
0: I, <laughs> I like to win, man. I, I like know David is, does have that competitive spirit, and I'm on know. a
1: losing streak here
3: lately, so I'm not <laughs> happy. <laughs> Jason,
0: what was your next pick?
3: Oh, you're letting me go. All right, so I'm going for another cover, but it's my last cover it is my favorite pink floyd song actually i love it. this is another thing that rich always gets to sing on it's folkly in what he can do in his key open g playing he loves open g playing we know all that i like the magpie salute live version of that first record better than any version i've heard like the, even the crows doing it uh, <laughs> he's got his fingers crossed and it's well what other song
1: is it going to be Ian? it's only one
3: It's Fearless, and and the cool thing here, and this is why I'm break, breaking out the guitar, because this song plays into a Rich Robinson original song in my list later on, and I'm going to kind of show how those relate, though, but like the main riff, if you allow me to play it if I don't jack it up, and Fearless is... Rich likes that so much that he uses almost the exact same chord progression in another song on my list.
0: That's a kind of uh, cross-pollination kind of thing, you know?
3: Well, it's when you play a song so much or you're influenced by something, you, I think you subliminally take those things and carry in them over with you. So I love it. I love the Magpie version. I love the Rich version better than When the Crows Do It.
1: Yeah, it's one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs. And The first one that would have come to my mind with him and his voice would have been Wish You Were Here. Mm. Uh, that, that would have been but fearless man woo, off of metal doesn't get much better than that top five uh, floyd song for me and i remember hearing the crows play it for the first time and that's when i was in my like pink floyd mega fandom and i was just like oh we hit bizarro world <laughs> you know? what's going on here
0: they've crossed over no i mean i think that's a, a fantastic cover i love the version that's on the magpie live album and, uh, you know, when they did it in the crows and, and anytime that, anytime the fearless is, uh, on the table, I'm all in. And, uh, again, uh, their, their version is, is up there. Uh, and they in, throw uh,
3: tastier slide work in it too, than the pink Floyd original.
0: Yeah. They kind of blues yeah. it up a little bit, you know?
3: Yep. Yep. And again, gives gives rich a chance to shine, whether he's playing on his own with magpie or the black rose.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any facet of that.
1: All right, David, what was next up on your list? Staying on that Southern um, harmony kick, I can't think of a song that better exemplifies where Rich Robinson was in 1992 than No Speak No Slave. That little intro at the beginning, it's one of my favorite moments in, in Black Crow's music history. We talked about it all the time. They open those shows with it. And they're, they're, when you hear Gorman get that symbol, that ride symbol, he hits that certain pattern. And Rich just hits that na And it just builds, it builds, it builds and, builds, and builds, and builds. And then when they kick into that main riff, it's the most animated you're ever going to see Rich on stage. He's into it. And, uh, I don't know if those are power chords or whatever, but he is absolutely laying the funk down on that and driving that song. And you mix it with Johnny's bass playing. I was really impressed when I was listening to the high in Houston stuff during like the solo Johnny Colts taking over that song with those bass runs. But I I love this. I think this is peak Rich Robinson in 1992 That's just a, uh, that's a hard rock song, a hard driving chord progression there. And I love the little part at the beginning when they, when they build it up, there's no way I could leave this one off my list because this one just makes me feel good.
0: And that is important. I want you to feel good at all times, David. (laughs) Thank you. It's, it's interesting because the, the live version, the, the opening portion is, is very different than on the record. Yeah. But amongst fans, the live version is, is the one that, that you think, you know, when you're, when you're talking about the song, that's what comes to mind. And it it was fantastic on those high as the moon tours and I mean anytime you, you get that song uh, you know it's a winner but it really was the best way to open those such a high energy opening and really set the set the tone for those high as the moon evenings you know
1: I mean they just did, they didn't have any peers in 92. no no, I, no. I, I' I just I don't I don't think they did and they knew
3: it yeah, I'm zero percent surprised you picked that again after last listening to the deprogrammed. I know this is near and dear and a big one, and it is. It is heavy. You guys are going after the heavy stuff here right away. I love it. I love it. You're, I'm doing all the light, like so, like you know, my heavy stuff's coming. But I, I really like where you're going. And Rich's playing is really interesting because again, he plays mostly in open keys. And he gets it. He gets a real good, heavy sound on the uh, of the Southern Harmony stuff. You know, it's very surprising because usually, if you get open keys, it's all about letting you know the the strings ring and not being so heavy.
0: It's kind of like the uh, like, kind of like that rain song vibe. Like that's what you yeah, expect from an open tuning. Yeah, you
3: know? yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. That's like a dad gad d a d g a d tuning. This and you know he does a lot of stuff in open G just for that whole that sound. But yeah, good choice, David.
0: All right. Well, next up on my list, we're going to go to, and nobody's going to be surprised about this at all, but we're going to go to the Ceaseless Sight record.
1: What? You only, Wait, a you minute. can only pick five. Ceaseless
3: Sight. <laughs> <laughs> how many? How many tracks are on that record?
0: I know, I know, and it was it was hard to separate uh, one from the herd. You know, I, I mean, everybody that's listened to this uh, podcast for any length of time knows I'm a tremendous fan of the Ceaseless Sight album, but one track in particular is a total home run for Mr. Rich Robinson, uh, both from a songwriting standpoint, from a performance standpoint, and that is The Giving Key. Giving key, just I mean this this is like the crow's tune that never was, and uh, you know his vocal performance on this is fantastic. There's such power in the playing. It's such a uh, just a just a mesmerizing song. I just love it.
1: And, and I know I know David's a fan of this one too. I think it's the best thing he's ever written. I'll go on record as saying that. Uh, the vocals Do you mean on that or-
3: solo, like solo, or is it like everything he's ever done.
1: I think from a songwriting standpoint, this is the best song he's ever written. I'm not telling that he was on the podcast.
3: Yeah, Rich, why don't you get on the podcast and, and let these guys compliment you?
1: Um, <laughs> no, I I, th- I think it's amazing. At first, you know, it, it has some similarities to "Sometime Salvation" mm-hmm. when, yeah. it, when it first starts, but to me, it's the it's the vocal delivery on this and him controlling his voice in a very subtle, vulnerable way, and this kind of the theme of the song. I, I choose this one more for just his singing and the words and the structure of the song than necessarily the playing on it.
3: Yeah, and I'm going to hop in front of Ian real fast. Uh, I know, Ian, I, I understand why this is your favorite thing that Rich has done, because to David's point, he's singing He's singing within his range and doing what his voice can do. I think he's he's kind of grown into it, understands it a little bit more. This song is a really good representation of that. And again, great some great guitar work on it. I just it's also my favorite Rich Robinson solo record, because again, I think he just understands his voice and what it's capable of and not capable of. And he nails it on the record.
0: I, I I will say this as far as his solo catalog goes, the ceaseless sight is his Southern harmony. That's where I feel like his solo vision is fully realized.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and it's the most consistent work. Um, Yeah. And that's, I just, I just love that record. I love the way it's recorded. I I like the material that's on it. It's just a, it's a, it's a very unique package for me, and it came along at a time where I needed something like that. All right, so let's swing it back to you, Jason. And What's next on your list?
3: Well, you know, I am an an ardent defender of this record, and a lot of people poo-poo on it. Don't poo-poo on this record. Um, oh,
0: I feel some By Your Side stuff coming.
3: It's And I only chose one song off By Your Side. It's not even <laughs> the top five track on By Your Side, but it's got a really cool high energetic riff using a slide on it and it just gets you fired up. I will say the lyrics in this song like many others on the album are not the best, but I enjoy the raw speed power behind it and it's going to be kicking my heart around. be fired up
0: every time it musically that track is fantastic it's 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 a a, banger yeah it's just uh lyrically it's bad yeah i wouldn't even say bad it's just it's by comparison to to chris's other material it it doesn't really uh hold up but uh you know the vibe of that record was let's get things back to to the rock you know and uh you know kevin shirley did an admirable job trying to achieve that and but that that track was the lead single from the record and uh you know i enjoyed it when it first came out i i I will admit i don't go back to it that often but uh probably because i played the hell out of it in in, uh, 99 you know but uh i mean that's a a great riff and and musically rich was onto something there so i do not tap your
3: toes when that's playing like how can you not like move around a little bit
0: oh yeah no that's an admirable pick jason i'm with you
1: what do you think david i'm i'm in agreement you change some of the lyrics up and you've got you're cooking with gas there great side, slide playing. And it's one of the faster songs in the catalog. It's mm-hmm. also one of the ones where they seem like this thing could go off the, the tracks real <laughs> quick. You know, I'm not going to change the channel if this comes on, if it pops up on, you know, uh, Spotify list or something, I'm not going to change it. I just wish the lyrics are a little different. Same thing with go faster.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And those songs are very, very similar tempo and stuff. But I think, you know, if I'm picking a cool, a better riff representation of what what I think Rich could do, hey, Rich, go and do what you're going to do. It's just you in the studio. You're the only guy playing guitar. Heavy sound. It's fast. It's good. He's not trying to do too much. Even on the solo, the solo is super basic, you know, on it. But it all works. And he's playing within himself. And it's a good jam.
0: I mean, by your side, if nothing else, is a Rich Robinson record. He's the only 100%. guitar player on that record. Yeah. And he does a fantastic job he if you weren't as deep into the crows as Mm -hmm. as most of us are and you listen to that record you would think that that was two guitar players you know the way it's it's recorded and blended and uh yeah you know fantastic job by 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 rich all around on by your side all right david what's next up for you my friend
1: Ian, what you got buried in your backyard black moon creeping (laughs) I mean, it's this is just straight filth from the get go. Mm-hmm. Fast that fast strumming on that chord progression at the beginning, and then this is a song. Honestly, I think is a whole lot better live than it is on the record. The one on the record's not bad, but this thing just has kind of a, a, a seriousness and a different demeanor live to me than it does on the album
3: and you got to have the backup singers because that makes it work. Like we you know when they were torn without backup singers, this song, I don't know if they even played that song in those years with like Jackie and stuff where they weren't having, but it just wouldn't work because those gospel vocals really hammer home over those, those heavy riffs from uh, rich on that.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, and then there's that whole part at the end, uh, you know, which I always call the, the cool down. It's like, uh, you know, when the gospel suit tune is like real, real amped up. And then at the end, they just kind of mellow everything down and bring it down quiet. uh, you know, I, that whole song is, uh, is fantastic. And to me, it's a very swampy kind of riff. Like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm no expert on this. The, my partner here, uh, would be more apt to tell me if this is true or not, but to me, it, it sounds like a Southern summer evening. This, like this, this riff and everything fits like right in with that, you know, that kind of, uh, just like you can dripping. feel the
3: humidity and thickness in the air yeah. and you're sweating while you're listening
1: to it. <laughs> bring out the bring out the fried chicken and potato salad.
3: It you guys hit on something too, kind of the breakdown and stuff at the end. Rich is really, really good at writing cool outros and into song. And we're gonna get to one too on one of my picks that really demonstrate that. But like that song is great. I love all the parts and the pieces. Yeah, man. Good choice, David.
0: All right. My next pick, I'm actually going to reach into the hookah brown songbook, which um i felt okay picking this track because at the time this was released digitally it's kind of like uh, a single if you will you could get this online for a brief time it eventually would morph into a different song in rich's solo catalog but this is uh, black cloud <laughs> The riff to Black Cloud, which would later become uh places on uh hmm. on paper, is such a heavy Sabbath type of riff. It's so intriguing that you don't even realize that the entire song is the one riff. It's just it's a period of time where Rich was uh he was using an effect on his guitar that simulates the effect of a rotating Leslie speaker when you're doing a, a Hammond B three organ. And oh so, yeah. And he he was, you know, tuned in a much lower key. So everything's very dark, dirty. And, you know, he was experimenting with echo things. And it was just a a very, very experimental time. Kind of started in the Lions period and then went into the Hookah Brown thing and and carried for a couple of years where he was doing a lot of riff heavy stuff like this. But this one just like I I, it's a shame that this didn't, you know, get more adulation at the time.
1: I'm going to be honest. I'm not that familiar with it. I'm not either. Well, fuck you guys, then.
3: <laughs> well, we're, we're, listen, if David and I don't know about what, well, especially David, like, where do we go to listen? Because there's, as far as I've ever seen, the Hookah Brown stuff's not streaming anywhere.
0: No, no. and, and I mean, the, the closest you can get through, uh, you know, standard platforms and stuff is if you go to paper and you listen to uh, the song Places. I mean, same exact riff. Uh, the Hookah Brown stuff, uh, I mean, I'll tell you, if you were on Patreon, sometimes I throw out there the files, you know what I mean? He is on Patreon. He's one of the first people. I'm talking to the listeners.
3: Oh, okay. (laughs) Damn it, man. I was like top 10 and like signing up. (laughs) I'm
0: talking to the uninitiated, Jason. I know you've been there It's Jump Street, my friend.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It it sounds badass by description, though. And again, if Rich is singing and doing some, he's got to play in that lower key stuff, the heavier stuff. It works really well. So I am super interested to be able to track this down and listen to it, especially talking about the the Leslie effect. Is the Leslie effect on the guitar?
0: It is. It's a, from my understanding, it's a pedal that you, Yeah.
3: yes. Yeah. It gives you that. Yes. Yep.
0: And it gives that effect. And he kind of, I mean, I don't want to say like abandoned it, but like he stopped, he was experimenting with it a lot at one point and then, you know, kind of went off that into, into other territory. But uh, I don't know, just to me, that's a very creatively lucrative time for, for Rich Robinson that uh, kind of doesn't have, a real proper documentation anywhere you know what i mean
3: do you like rich robinson solo stuff how does it compare to the crow stuff to you
0: it's a different animal to me like i i, I very rarely compare it like obviously in the case of the giving key you know that that bears
3: if you're just going to sit down and listen to music though are you more apt to go to the crows or, or rich robinson stuff
0: yeah oh, it depends on the mood you know what i mean
3: okay all right well, well what's the mood for rich robinson music
0: Anytime my eyes are open. I don't know.
3: <laughs> oh boy.
0: No, I just, You're,
3: Rich Robinson's your spring, they, 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 you know, spring scene to David, Rich Robinson to you.
0: Yes, yeah, it could be. Now actually Rich Robinson's solo catalog often goes hand in hand with, if I'm in the car, because when Seaseless Night came out, I listened to that every day, driving to yeah. work, you know, back to front, you know, each direction. So like, that I associate with that kind of thing. So if I'm going to go out, even sometimes I just go out, take a little ride just to listen to some music. But I'll inevitably Damn. come over to Rich Robinson, you know.
3: Okay. So inquiring minds wanted to know, where does Rich Robinson stand against the crows? We just heard.
0: <laughs> well, what's your next pick, Jason?
3: Are we on the two? Yes. All right. This is the Open G riff to start all Open G riffs with rich robinson i think you guys even talked about on the deep program podcast where even if you don't know the song you know the song it's very simple it's very even and it's twice as hard
0: Jason goes back to shake your moneymaker. I like it. And yes, probably one of Rich's quintessential riffs. I, I, I will commend you there for, for that pick.
1: Can you go wrong with that, man. Hey, that was the first song you would hear if you put shake your moneymaker on mm-hmm. big, big, big rock sound.
3: Yeah. And when my daughter was learning to play guitar, I would actually give her one of my guitars an open G and give her a slide and she could play that too. It's simple. It's powerful and it's catchy, you know. Playing guitar and writing good music—it's not about showing how technically your technical prowess, right? You can the simple stuff is easy. And what I always like about Rich Robinson, and I'm going to steal a line from Frank Cannon. We just we interviewed Frank Cannon from Tesla last month, and we got into talking slide guitar. He goes, he likes people that play like nice and slow with a feel to it. He doesn't like the guys that, that go super fast. It makes him nervous. And, like, Rich is the guy that Frank Cannon would like. He plays slow. He's got a nice pace, nice beat to it, and I, you know. And uh, Twice as Hard is a great example of simple, easy. And you know, what's, you know it right from the first note.
0: I mean, it's essentially the introduction to the Black Crows. I mean, if you hadn't heard the singles and you just had the Shaky Moneymaker record, that's the first thing you hear.
1: Yep. And it, it kind
0: of sets the tone for that record
1: and and steve gorman's bass drum plays a big part of that one too mm, absolutely i mean yeah
0: can't go wrong there jason nice pick man
1: david what do you got next all right so i had giving key in a mission so i'm gonna throw in two all an alternate here at the end just so we can have it we've talked about it before the guitar solo on i ain't hiding <laughs> Yes. Blistering. Blistering. I hate this disco song, and I'm about to just lay down one of my best solos.
0: It's one of the best things I've ever heard. For a song he doesn't like, he throws probably one of the best solos he's ever played on it. It's it's fantastic. it's it's such a good
1: solo.
3: It's the only thing that I'm makes sorry, that. I like, song. that song.
1: I like that song. I know people don't. I really like that it's song. Okay. It's crossed me it's, over the years.
3: Listen, music is subjective. You can have bad taste, it's okay. It's it's fine. <laughs> it's But the solo is is really good for all the points that you picked out. I don't know if it's he was angry and that's what came out of it. Awesome, but man, I do not like Disco Crows. I do not like Disco Crows, no sir. No green angels in hand for me.
0: But like Rich almost saves it. I mean, I don't mind the song really. I kind of you know I like that song, and and my wife likes that song, so it's kind of something that kind of bonds us together a little bit. You know, but that's the
3: first song I heard off that album, and I said, if the rest of this album. Sounds like this. I am disowning the crows. No way, not happening. But you
0: didn't.
1: No.
3: Nope. What?
0: What? David, we, we gone back to this a few times. But what? Did, what did Steve Gorman say about that track being the first single?
1: That's either the first single or it's not on the album.
0: Yeah, because it's just so out of left field. It, you know what I mean? It
1: does.
3: It, you take that song. And there's not one album that would like be a natural fit for it to play on, right? Like, you tell me where that song is. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, it
1: sounds like a album. CR, it sounds like a Latter day CRB song. Well,
3: they used to always play it in the CRB yeah. because it was funky and they could get like weird can do his space farts on his keyboards, and it was okay because it was way out there. And I was cool with CRB playing it because it's out there, but I didn't you know it's not one of my favorite crow songs.
0: But the CRB version don't have that rich solo on it it doesn't
3: have the solo and that's the only thing that saves it for me and you guys are spot on about that solo
0: all right so my next pick comes from the flux record and it's the closing track it's called sleepwalker picked this track for many many reasons and I like this track for many many reasons number one John Hogg is on there singing background vocals which very few people know but I actually didn't pick this necessarily for a riff or a guitar style it's lyrically one of the coolest things Rich has done uh you know it's just uh it's a song about to me kind of like being yourself and and doing your own thing and and one of the lyrics in the song that I've you know I, I put on social media, you know profiles and things like that. It's 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 okay to have thought and expression, even if it's just your own, even if you stand alone. And it's just that's such a great sentiment. And you know, for a guy that doesn't get a lot of credit lyrically for the things he did in his solo catalog, I think you know this is a a great example of what he is capable of lyrically.
3: What you got to say about that one, David?
1: I mean, we talked about it for a little bit on the Perfect Album Side mm-hmm. podcast. And Ian's still more familiar with it than I am. I mean, I've listened to it. It's it's not a bad tune at all.
3: I You know what? I liked, Ian, where you went with that. It wasn't the music, but you had the lyrics and how the lyrics related to you. And I don't think Rich gets – he doesn't really write a lot of lyrics with the Crows, right? It's mainly, mainly Chris. So mm. that's interesting, the fact that his lyrics are good and they really resonated with you on a personal level. I'm going to have to listen to that song again and uh check out the lyrics just to see just based on what you said but that's that's cool i mean it's amazing when people particularly ones not known for their lyrics like it it resonates with you
0: and that track also does showcase something that he's known to be doing in his solo catalog from time to time uh he plays the bass on that track and it's a fantastic bass line as well
3: he played bass on he played bass on the by your side album though right um did all the bass tracks i believe
0: that I'm not actually, I'm not too sure. I'm not sure if, if that's because I think right it was just
3: Gorman, Chris, and Rich. And I think, uh, Rich, if he didn't play all the bass parts in that, he played most of them
0: because I know Sven was on board at that time, oddly, was not.
3: Oddly was not, right? He yeah. they hired him for the tour touring and everything too, which worked out great because the stuff with Jimmy Page oddly was like MVP, other than Gorman, Gorman was MVP, but oddly was guitar MVP.
0: But uh, so that brings us down to your top pick there, Jason.
3: Yeah. Yeah. As I promised, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, man. I just, I get too excited talking to you guys about this stuff.
0: I had nothing Um, else to say. I started saying something. (laughs) I'm glad you cut me off to be honest with you.
3: As a fellow podcaster, (laughs) I could sense you had nothing else to say. So I just went ahead and and swooped in. Um, No. So I promised, you know, talking about fearless and how rich playing that really, whether it's subconsciously or not tacked on to one of my favorite song, not just a moment, but my favorite song that, that Rich predominantly plays on. And I'll, I'll kind of talk through that here in a second, but my favorite song it starts out as And so Josephine... So it's not one moment in the song it's everything from that opener nice you know quiet resonating open g stuff and then my favorite thing that he's ever done is the actual outro of the song and the outro is almost spot on uh that chord progression in fearless and it allows like luther or anybody else to play and that's in that outro solo with rich just playing those simple chord progressions see
0: now it's interesting to me that you you mentioned that i hadn't made that connection with fearless and yes it is that same kind of ascending it's
3: almost exactly
0: yeah but the cool thing about rich and this should be mentioned and i'm glad actually you brought this up that reminded me of this rich is often very generous with laying down something so that the other people in the band can lay Cool things on top of it. Like, you know, he's he's very, very much a, a the musical director of whatever he's involved in. Yeah,
1: couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah, it's just yeah, he's almost like the uh the architect. He sets up the blueprint and then everybody's building on top of that. And I and that I,
3: song has to be heard live too, because my beef with War is they cut that coda, they cut that outro off, they fade out. No, no, no. When you hear it live, like the war paint live it's the everybody everybody gets a chance to shine at the end of that song i just love it it's beautiful it's almost up there with me with like layla you know that closing code or that closing outro it's pretty damn close to being as epic as that
2: yeah
1: i mean i couldn't agree more so i'm excited
3: about nice the song i cut both of you guys off because i'm so excited about i know
1: it. <laughs> no i've always thought that about that that outro especially live i'm like that's that's fearless essentially
3: it, it 100% is <laughs> it's very very close he starts it in a different place at, at g um but he gets to the same place and it's almost the same beat but you know what there's only so many different things you can play in music you have to do your own interpretation and you know and it, it works it's awesome all
0: right david what's at the top of your list my friend
1: all right so a lot of this stuff has been very rock oriented and you know big chords and loud noise how about his playing on bring on bring on <laughs>
2: How could I live?
1: It is so sweet, isn't it? Makes the song. Um, I, I couldn't do this list without having something a little more mellow on there. And is that a 12 string he's playing?
3: It's, I think so. I think yeah. so. I'm not sure, but it sounds, it rings like that.
1: Yeah, I love that tune, and uh, I don't know, I just think it makes such a big difference on that song.
0: David, I gotta tell you, that's a fantastic pick. I, I kind of toyed with that one a little bit, for the same reason you did, to bring in the the acoustic element, because... Not enough is said about Rich's acoustic playing, and he's a very unique acoustic player. That song in particular has a very odd time signature to it that works. Mm-hmm. But really, if you if you sit there and you think about it and you listen to it, it's not normal. Like it, you know. And uh, I, that's a that's a, a great pick. I think that's one of the highlights of Three Snakes. Me too.
3: Yeah, great choice, man. And I, I'm glad that you, who kind of cited a lot in the heavy stuff, really went back for your last choice of, of acoustic. He is really underrated as an acoustic kind of light player and and he's he's one of my favorite guitarists he's sincerely underrated as a guitar player particularly as a rhythm guy and again if we're going back with frank hannon's thing it's like he plays the slide with meaning it's not just a bunch of notes so kudos good choice
0: and if we want to talk you know rich acoustic stuff there's actually a couple of bootlegs from i i believe the fall of 2003 Where he did a few gigs in new york city on his own and uh i have those bootlegs and that's a very good example of a lot of his acoustic playing and maybe some more odd time signatures there so uh folks on the patreon are probably going to get that shared with them so uh yet another incentive to join the patreon (laughs) that's right
3: it's only like what 10 bucks a month how much am i paying you guys like 10 bucks
0: Yes. I thought you were just paying me to be your friend, Jason. I didn't know it was for the Patreon. I'm sorry. I
3: well, normally I have to pay people to be my friend, but not only <laughs> am I paying you guys to be my friend, you're actually giving me some really good content stuff out.
0: So thank you guys. It's a it's a one-two punch, you know? <laughs> but so I saved my my Black Crows pick for the number one spot. Um, we've had a lot of tracks from this record mentioned already this evening. I think this is probably the most unique thing on the record guitar-wise, and that's Sometimes Salvation. like the start stop of this riff it's such an an odd thing if you think about it like nobody does stuff like that especially in 92 that wasn't the sound that wasn't what people were going for it's just it's such a great thing and you know you talk about laying down something for other people to build upon you know this is what people often regard as one of mark ford's best solos well Mm -hmm. it's there because rich has laid this foundation to build upon and it's such a such a such a cool song
3: soulful I think, and i think I, th- I think it's one of the few times that he's actually playing in standard tuning i don't think he's playing anything open or any weird tuning on that track i think he and mark are both standard please somebody comment or tell me i'm stupid you know in the comments of some of the. what do you guys know for sure i actually don't okay and i know david does it no. sounds like it but
0: <laughs>
1: well, david you're a big uh you know southern harmony guy what's uh what's your take on this one Oh, it's great. I mean, it's it's such a unique song for a number of reasons. It's got like an odd time signature with Steve's drums, and you got this great riff by Rich, some of Chris's most soulful singing and lyrics. And then, of course, Mark Ford is Mark Ford on this one.
0: The solo that he himself admits he cannot replicate.
1: Right.
3: You know, and we're talking about Rich's moments, but this goes back to he builds the framework of a song that he's really good on and gives other people a chance to shine. You're right about the Ford solo, right? It's probably one of his best, if not the best. And it's not, it's not, even a complicated thing that he's doing. It's all motion and feel, right? He's not playing as fast as he can play or anything crazy technical. It's all feel and emotion. And that's why it's damn hard to replicate.
0: Absolutely. That was in the moment. And uh, some moments just can't be repeated. It almost like, it, it was almost like, capturing in the studio what some bands get live just a, a magic moment yeah. that's you know yeah. of that exact like, moment in time
3: he hit that cellar like that's the take you don't need to do anything else man you're never going to do it better than that just go
0: yeah i would have done if i <laughs> if i was mark ford i would have pulled a uh a prince at the george harrison tribute would have played that cell guitar. Guitar
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well boys this has been fun i i think we put together a very good uh sampling of uh rich's best uh, stuff and and you know we could go on for hours talking uh more
3: what did Rich. we miss though what did we, we miss like
0: uh we missed so much stuff not missed, but just had to uh leave on the cutting room floor that's why this was uh, particularly hard to do this episode so i'm sure we all have you know honorable mentions i know you uh you know before we got on you mentioned you had an on- uh, a couple of honorable mentions why don't we go around and everybody just uh, throw out quickly one honorable mention. And I'll, I'll yep. start with you, Jason.
3: Thank you. Um, you talked about Open F. He, he got he fell in love with Open F, and we know he, he played some tracks. Mine is Soul Singing, which I do believe is an Open F. It's an interesting yeah. riff. Uh, I love it. How can you not have a smile on your face when you listen to Soul Singing?
0: Yeah, and I will just throw in there, too, that you can get the real sense of how unique his guitar playing is on that because on the live versions where they drag it out with the jam, just before the jam, Rich is playing what, on the record is behind the solo, but now you can just hear it cause it's just him playing it. And that itself is like a unique chord progression. And
3: yeah, his chord progression on that is real heavy, like a barred open thing. And then the, the keys play like the same, the same thing with it's super cool. Super cool.
1: Yeah,
0: definitely. David, what's your honorable mention?
3: Nebuchadnezzar.
1: Ooh. Yes. Nice yeah. one. Nice one.
0: That yeah. uh, you talk about non-standard playing. That's, that's it right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much left on the, uh, on the table here with this episode we might have to do a part two down the road you know but uh, my honorable mention is going to be a cover and it's from the live at the knitting factory record is the version i'm referring to and that's uh, rich's cover of uh mick jagger's memo from turner
3: i've not heard that i'm gonna have to hear that
0: it's fantastic honestly and i you know i, I ray permy is gonna fly up from texas with a knife to come at me with this but uh, I feel that uh, it actually uh, surpasses mixed version. I, I If I if I want to listen to that song, I will default to Rich's cover. There oh, we
1: go. N- Permy's going to get salty.
0: I know. He's going to get saucy with me. Well, let me Sorry. tell you something, Permy. I ain't scared of you. And if you want to come up in to New York, I'm waiting.
1: Okay?
2: <laughs>
3: you know people.
0: I do. But <laughs> it's just he nobody, actually that, does. nobody that could actually do anything. But
3: <laughs> <laughs> Or do you? Or don't mm, you? Well,
0: you know don't like to talk out of school you know no, no. <laughs> but I mean, again jason thanks for coming on with us man and if you want to hear more of jason and his lovely voice you can tune in and i don't the,
3: play guitar on my podcast so just yes. so you know
0: <laughs> you can tune into the <laughs> all things blues and southern rock podcast jason and uh show founder mr brian jones do a great job with that day in and day out and you can catch him on any of the streaming platforms and they are part of the pantheon network
3: we're like your stepchild, you know that. Our podcast is like the stepchild of State of America.
0: Yes, but you know we we love you as if you were our own. So, you right, know. <laughs> right. If you got a
3: divorce, I don't know which one I'd pick to live with. <laughs> and be,
0: <laughs> being that you are our guest this week, Jason, you know how this goes by now. You get to pick the uh, playout song, my friend.
3: It's got to be O Josephine from Warpaint Live, right? Like I, I just, I, I just French kissed it, so you got to play it. <laughs> all right Dave. well
0: <laughs> let's close out on that disgusting note, and we'll go over to you're welcome everybody we'll go over to the version of o josephine from war paint live i want to thank everybody for tuning in and if you do want to check out the patreon it's patreon.com slash state of if you want to get in touch with us you can get us on any of the social media platforms or you can send an email to state at gmail.com thanks everybody for joining us and we're going to throw it over to our producer jason
2: stay tall everyone